This morning, I'd like to get into the Word, and we're in part three of a series here called All Mixed Up. And, uh, and, and, and in this, we have talked about, uh, you know, the difference between rest and anxiety. And, and last week, we talked about the, the difference in deception and, and uh, you know, how God puts us in his will for the purpose of leading us into freedom, into truth. And today uh, is part three of this is, I've subtitled it, Destined or Derailed. And I use the word derail very purposely, and I, and I want to take a second here. And, you know, I, I, I just, in my, in my studies, which I, you know, I, 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 I studied, I went in and looked up some derailments, and I thought, well, I want to find a couple because, you know, and then I realized that there's thousands, been thousands of train derailments. In fact, there, it, uh, up until recently, there were 3,000 a year. You didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I'm like, well, how, you know, it seemed like, I mean, that's a lot. We would hear a lot more about, generally, we only hear about the ones with losses of life. But when you think of derailment, what you think about is a, is a, Brad, you said you fixed it. Oh, where we go. There we go. See, that's a typical derailment. That's what they mean. There's, you know, whenever a train goes off the tracks, that's just a derailment. And, um, and it happens all the time. You know, a switch gets left open. Um, there's a, a, a deformity in the track. And, and usually they're without, you know, major incident. And, and these kind of derailments happen all the time. But if you think about all the tons and of weight and all the tons of power in that engine, this train, once it's derailed, is not really going to go anywhere. And with all the talk today about purpose and destiny and all of that, it, it's, it's, and it's a good thing because we're coming to understand a lot about purpose that we never, never really thought much about. But it's still important to know that if you're going to get to where God wants you to go, you're going to have to stay on track. And what's the enemy try to do? He tries to derail you. And so I looked up like one, pick, picked out one of many um, incidences, and I found one in, in uh, let me go here so I can give you the, the details of this because I found this very interesting. Uh, in 1993, in Big Bayou Canoe in southwestern Alabama, it was a... Uh, it was in the early afternoon, and a barge was coming up the river, and it got off course, and the tow boat that was maneuvering the barge drove it into the pilings of a bridge. And uh, when, it hit the, when it hit the bridge, it shifted the train tracks and disfigured them uh, not a, a lot, but enough to cause a derailment. Eight minutes after the bridge was hit by the barge, an Amtrak train approached the bridge not knowing what had just happened eight minutes before. And this was a picture, which you can maybe barely make out, but this was a, a picture of the results of that bridge that got shifted and instead of that safely getting across, 47 people died in this, in this derailment. 118 were injured. And um, part of the train, you see, was into the river. And, um, and it was a tragic, it was an Amtrak train. It was a tragic accident by eight minutes. You think about that. What was interesting is in the, in the, logbook that they found uh, in the investigation, if you don't think that eight minutes can make a difference, the train had a problem in New Orleans on the, on the way with their air conditioner. And so they stopped in New Orleans to repair the air conditioner so the passengers would be in comfort. 
and it was a 28-minute delay. And had they not stopped, they would have crossed the bridge 20 minutes before the barge had hit it. And you say, well, why would you tell me something like that? Because I want you to realize that there's things that happen in your life. I want you to think with me this morning. Think about things that have come to your life, setbacks, where you got knocked like this bridge got knocked by a, by a circumstance, and it shifted the bridge enough. Have you ever had something happen to you that just, you, we, I, we use the phrase, knocked you for a loop? Anybody here had anything like that happen? A relationship went bad, a, a, a job went bad, a, a money deal went bad. Anybody here with me this morning? You had something that bumped your life enough that, that out of the response of what happened to you, the enemy came and knocked you off course. He knocked you off rail. He tried, to, he tried to take away your destiny. The destination of this train was Florida. But it came short of its destination in southwestern Alabama because it got hit hard enough to set it off of its track and derail it. And why I'm saying that is because I have been around now for, for a number of years. I've been around long enough. I've watched enough of, of lives. I've watched enough ministry. I've watched people who have great purpose, great destiny, people with great power. People, you know, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of power in a locomotion. I mean, thousands of horsepower to drive the thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of pounds in a train, but it's only as good as it stays on track. And the enemy does not want you to stay on track. And he will do everything he can to try to hit you, bump you, and get you to make a, a response in some way that will cause you to be derailed in your purpose and in your destiny. That's why I called it destiny or derailed. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to go with me to Joshua, the first chapter, and we're going to read out of Joshua a lot here, and if you'll just bear with me, and um, I'm just going to, I just kind of, can I just kind of, can I just kind of teach you something today? And I don't really, I don't, I, I don't know, but I feel like in my preparation for this, I really felt in my heart that God was going to speak to some people here today, and it, actually this is one of those, I feel like one of those messages where you, you and I are going to be revealed to something that we have been around but maybe not seen clearly. In Joshua, the first chapter, verse 1, it says, Mo, I'm reading from the uh, easy-to-read version. I think you can find this if you have the Bible app in the U version. We're in live events, and uh, you can call it up there. You have notes that you've been given. It's the verses. I, it's not my outline. I, I really struggle with a lot of these outlines because I just want to like get up here and let her rip. But then I really, want to, I really want to leave you with a, a clear understanding of what God is saying here because, again, I've been preaching for over 30 years. I saw things this week in this that I have never seen and never preached before. And it's not that this is a new revelation, it's just new to me. Are you with me? Because I think this will resonate with your heart as we get into it. Moses was the Lord's servant, and Joshua, the son of Nun, was Moses' helper. So there's, a, there's the dynamic duo right there. Moses was called the greatest man in the Old Testament. He was considered by many the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. I know we think of prophets like Elijah, Elisha, but Moses was a man who moved in the prophetic and prophesied, and, and God used Moses. And, and, and to the Jewish people, there was none greater than Moses. And then his next, his next in line, the man that was, 
was, uh, that Moses had mentored and was pouring himself into was a man called Joshua, or Yesh- Yeshua in the, in the Hebrew, which is the, the name in the, where we get the name Jesus. So we see, I, th- I think what we see here, you, I want you to see this because, again, I, I have never went in this direction, but what you see is two men who were in a covenant relationship. Moses was like the father and Joshua was the son. But then there came a time where Moses died. And so this is where verse 2, it says, my servant Moses is dead. Is is that any kind of revelation for Joshua? He was close to Moses. He knew Moses was dead. But you you get the idea here that, that God is telling Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is Moses' position, all his, that he did is over. It's come to an end. Now you, now listen to this. This is important because you need to underline this. Again, because this is something that I don't know that I've ever seen before. I've never preached it before, but I want you to see this. Now you, everybody say you. you. Because this is how we interpret most of the things that we get from God. It's always, it it's always seems to be us in the middle of it. Are you with me? How would you like to be Joshua? Would would you really want to step in that man's shoes? The man Moses? Would you really want that job? Yeah, let me have it. Well, you're okay. But now listen to what he says. Now you, say it again, say you. And all these people. See, it, it was a daunting task to, to stand there and realize I'm stepping into a man's shoes that, that, it, that was so big and so great and so powerful, and, and, and yet God's, God's look into this was not, it was not, this is all on you. He says, now you and these people, everybody say these people. You see, because, listen to this, Joshua's destiny, and this is what, those of you listened Very carefully to what I'm about to say because you're going to have to process this and go along with me. Many people think that their destiny is all about just them. But your destiny is always about the people that are with you as well as you. And so it was Joshua, you and these people. Get this. Watch this. He says, you and these people must go across the Jordan River, which was in flood stage, which was going to take a miracle. That's a daunting task because you got to get a million something, some estimate as many as a 1.8 million people across this river. That's, a, that's a, what we would call a task. And you must go into the land I am giving to the Israelites. So this is... This isn't just about you, Joshua. This is about your people, you and your people. Are you with me? So verse 3 says, I promised Moses I would give you this land. You see how their inheritance is tied to the land? So God's first commission to Joshua is I want you to take the land. Everybody say that, take the land. So the land had to do with their inheritance. The land always, and still to this day, has to do with the Israelites, the Jews' inheritance. Isn't it interesting that 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 little pocket of land is still protected and guarded by the hand of God? It's a miracle that they're still there. So he goes on, he says, I promised Moses I would give you this land, so I will give you all the land wherever you go. This is their destiny. This is their future. This is their purpose. Take this land. All the land from the desert to Lebanon, all the way to the great river. Now he's given the, he's given the, the boundaries of the land. It'll all be yours. From the Mediterranean Sea in the west, the place where the sun sets, that's your borders. Now look at verse 5. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. So he says, you take the land No man can stop you. This is what he's telling them. No man can stop you. 
Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. No one will be able to stop you all your life. How many of you believe that when it comes to the promise and the purpose and the destiny of God that God has given you? No one can stop me. That's what God said. He said, no one can stop you. I am with you. Look at what he says. I will not abandon you. Josh was like, ooh, that's good news. And I will never leave you. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I will not turn my back on you. I will not let you fail. <laughs> that's, now that's the setup. That's, a, that's the word that God gave Joshua. And look at, that's a powerful set of promises right there. And Josh, Joshua's destiny was clear that he was to lead these people into the land. You must go into the land. That's, uh, that's verse 2. That was, that was clear. You got to go to the land. Are you with me? All right, let's go a little further. Now here's Joshua's challenge. So Joshua's challenge is, goes on because now you're going to see four times in the next verses where God says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. From verses 6 to 9 and verse 6. Joshua, you must be strong and very brave. You must lead these people so they can take their land. I promised their fathers I would give them. God gave this promise a long time ago. How many of you know that you and I are sitting in a promise that was given to the church 2,000 years ago? Really, Pastor Mike? Yes. And God has given us promises that are 2,000 years old. And so here's the, here's the key. God's saying, Joshua, you got to be strong and you got to be courageous so, so I can fulfill my promise. And then he tells him in verse 7, look at verse 7. Where are we at here? He says, you must be strong and bra brave about obeying the commands and follow the teachings. So, so you see, <laughs> he goes on in verse 8. Always remember what's written in the book. Verse 9, remember I commanded you to be strong and be brave. Then he gives them the negative side of it. Don't be afraid because the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. So, he, so four different times he's essentially saying be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. Why do you think God repeated himself? Why do you think God repeated himself four times? Because Joshua's going to need this. Can I tell you when God speaks and God is talking to you, he's not talking to you for his sake. He's talking to you for your sake. Because if God tells you, get ready, I'm going to give you the victory, you know what he's telling you? Get ready for the fight. Come on, somebody. You see, we go, oh, God gave me the promise, I'm going to have the victory. Yeah, what he's telling you is get your battle gear on because you are about to come into a fight, but I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail you. I will not let you down. Everything I said will come to pass. He's given you a hope and a promise because you're about to go into a battle and all you're going to have to hang on to is that promise, be strong and be courageous. I am with you. Well, I feel like preaching right now. Pastor Mike, you're encouraging me. Yes, you are, brother. Keep it up. I mean, I just, I need some of this encouragement. And so I looked up the word strong, and it's the word shazak in the Hebrew, which I, don't tell me that I don't speak Hebrew. I just did. And what, what it is, you don't understand it. And the fact I mispronounced it doesn't mean anything. It's just, I don't know how you pronounce it. If, if it's Hebrew, usually it's And so what, and gazunheit. And so... I mean, come on, you don't, don't hold me to the pronouncement. I'm trying to teach you something about the word. The word Shazak means to fasten upon and to seize. So when he's saying be strong, what he's telling you is you got to fasten on to what I'm promising you. You got to seize on it and you cannot let it go. I need some help right here. Kyle, come on up here. Pastor Kyle, come on up here. 
Come on up here. They tell me not to go down there, so I'm trying to be obedient. And so, so uh, let's, say, let's say I'm the promise. I'm a big promise. And God's given you a promise. And when, when he says, I need, a, I, need a, I need a third person. I need somebody, I need somebody formidable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, look at that. I do not want to meet him in an alley. We call him Big Jim. With the emphasis on big. He is a big man. And so let's say, let's say this. Gentlemen, let's move this because it might get crazy up in here. So I'm the promise that God gives to. All 135 pounds of it. Soaking wet. Are you with me? Because it doesn't matter how big he is. The power is in the promise. And so, let's say, Pastor Kyle, God gives you the promise. I just want you to, like, nonchalantly seize the promise. Would you like to seize the promise? Oh, this is like a kumbaya moment. Kumbaya, my Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship for the promise. Oh, it's so easy to worship God in the, in the sanctuary. We're just holding hands with the promise. Oh, hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, the big guy, the, 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 the enemy, sees that you've connected with a promise from God. You want to see what you can do about this promise? I mean, it doesn't have to do very much. Yeah, then he's wrapping his arms around you. You know what he's telling you? It's not for you. You hear what that doctor said? You hear what your wife, your husband, you hear what, you hear what your kids said? You hear what they said to you? You hear what your boss said? You hear what the, you hear what the news said? You hear what they said? And all of a sudden, we're letting go and we're free-falling. Because we've, we've let go of the promise. Because the, you know, the thing that we're anchored, the thing that keeps us firm, established, the thing that's going to keep you is, is, is to be strong. If God wasn't giving Joshua a command that he could not fulfill. He was telling him, look, Joshua, you're about to go into a land and there's 31 kings, 31 battles, and you got to go fight every one of them, but be strong. So, Pastor Kyle, come on over here. Now, after you've had your head handed to you a few times, and you've been beat up, and after you get mad enough and fed up enough with what the enemy is doing in your life, there comes a point where you get shaken. Even the test is meant for a purpose. It's meant to shake you down to where you, what you really believe. Because, you know, you, sometimes faith has to be tested in order to be trusted. Oh, y'all ought to tweet that. But you see, if people say, I don't know why I'm going through such a test. You know why you're going through such a test? Because God has to show you that everything that can be shaken has got to be shaken so that which cannot be shaken can hold on because you're about to go on the ride of your life. And so here comes Joshua. Joshua says, all right, I I got it, God. And so Joshua is going to... Make himself one with the promise. No longer is it just something I'm trying to do. It's something God said is mine. And I'm going to walk like it's mine. Talk like it's mine. Live like it's mine. I'm going to act like it's mine. And what he's doing is he's going to seize and lay hold of the promise. It's up to you, big boy. Now, this is a very intimate moment. Gee, I love you. 
I've always loved you. I've always told you I'd be with you, and I would never leave you. Let's see, Jim, do you think you can separate him? Can anything separate him? <laughs> now, all of a sudden, he's one with us. Man, I think we just got the enemy saved. But if you see what I'm saying, thank you, gentlemen. You see what I'm trying to show you today is, when God says be strong, some of you have taken it like, I'm, I'm trying to be strong. <laughs> what do you mean? You're trying to be strong. What does that mean? I'm trying to be strong. Here's what God's saying. Fasten upon, seize the, to become one with the promise. And then the word courage or courageous is the word amats. And it means to be alert, to be on foot, steadfast, the strength to keep walking amidst landmines. And this is out of the Bible dictionary. I'm not making this stuff up. This is stuff, and I'm like, wow, this is so powerful because now I've made myself one with the promise. And what he's talking about in courage is the ability to keep taking steps, even though, even though you know the enemy has all kinds of landmines planted around. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but there's, look, look, you're walking and you're saying, wait, there's a landmine right there. But you don't stop. You don't say, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. You just avoid, you avoid. Everybody say, I'm going to avoid. What kind, of, what kind of person looks at a landmine and goes, oh, and just steps on it? What kind of person doesn't walk with, with a, a, an alertness that you're watching every step of your foot and you're clearing your path and you're walking because I'm not stopping. I'm going into what God has. I'm going to walk into the promise on every landmine, everything to enemy. You know, listen, those landmines come in a lot of different forms and you've got to keep stepping, got to keep walking. You've got to be alert and be on your foot and it's the ability to keep walking even amidst the landmines. Can you say Amen. This is why Joshua's derailment was always present. So verse 8, let's go back to verse 8. This is really powerful. His derailment was always present. Wherever you have tracks, you have the ability to get off track. Wherever there's truth, there's always the ability to walk away from the truth. In other words, there's, wherever there's truth, there's a lie somewhere lurking that if you give yourself over to it, it will undermine the power of the truth. I'm trying to help somebody. See, that's why the Bible says you've got to cast down all those thoughts, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Can I have that water, please? Thank you. You get a prophet's reward. <laughs> Joshua 1 8. Now I'm going to quote it to you how I learned it in the King James. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Which many of you read that and go, well, okay, what does that mean? What that means is you can't stop letting the word keep coming out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not stop departing, coming out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night. That thou may observe to do it. And then he goes on, he says, if you observe to do it, you keep it coming out of your mouth. You let the word of God be your track. The moment the enemy gets you off the word, you have started the derailment process. But I don't care, Pastor Mike, you just don't understand how I feel. I don't care how you feel. Because your feelings have nothing to do with God and his word. If you want to receive from God, the Bible says you must have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. Where people get mixed up is they go off the rail and they get into their feelings, their, their ideas, their opinions, and they are off the word. And sometimes it's just as simple as getting a wheel off the, off the rail. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and he corrects us. Thank you. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? Did I do something? 
I probably did. Sorry. Joshua's derailment was present. Verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart. Don't stop coming out of your mouth, and thou shalt meditate in it day and night. Let, let me tell you, young people, listen to me, young people. You know what I, when I got saved, I, got, I was a hippie. I got saved out of, this, you know, out of the whole Jesus thing uh, um, in the early 70s. And, uh, and I, you know, my mind was messed up. My mind was really messed up. And uh, my mind was, was you know, and, but my spirit got saved. I got regenerated. I got born again. But my mind was messed up. That's why the Bible says you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, your spirit gets saved, but you, how do you renew your mind? you got to get the word of God into it. And so I started taking verses and memorizing them, meditating. I heard a, a, a wise teacher tell me early in my walk with God to, to get the word hidden in your heart. David said in Psalms, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I took portions of scripture. One of the areas I was having trouble with was, was in the area of, of thinking pure thoughts. And I went to Romans chapter 6 and I memorized Romans 6. And then I memorized Romans 7. And then I memorized Romans 8. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You see, isn't it interesting that I was doing that 35 years ago and I can still tell you what those words say because those words have power. Those words gave me strength to push through the opposition and all the things the enemy was trying to do in my mind. Are you, are you with me this morning? The, your derailment is right in front of you if you, don't, if you don't stay on the word of God. And Christians today, let me tell you something. It is not enough just to listen to podcasts Watch television preachers and, and do all of that stuff. You've got to get the word of God down on the inside of you. I love, I'm not against podcasts. And I'm not against listening to, pre I love good preaching. I love, we, it's amazing that we, you can hear tons of good preaching. But it's not, it's not the word that you hear that's going to change you. It's the word that you do. Well, that went over like a rat sandwich. Well, let me put a little mayo on it. You see, if you take the word of God and in, in, ingest it into your heart, like J Joshua did, he, Joshua said, you know, God told Joshua, get this down in your heart. This is what he says. Then you'll observe to do it, and thou shalt have good success. The key to your success is in doing the word of God. And so that was the, the, the key to this. Let's, let's go on a little further. Say, go on, Pastor Mike. Here's why you need to get the word in you. The Lord's wisdom founded the earth. His understanding established the universe in space. If God's wisdom formed, the King James says here, it formed the earth. If, if God's wisdom formed the earth, then God's wisdom is going to be what it takes to reform the earth. How many of you know the church needs reformation right now? Amen. We need God's wisdom. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Be strong and courageous because you will help these people take possession of the land I swore to give their ancestors. Verse 6. Do you see that? Now I'm going to make this statement and I'm going to, I'm going to spend the rest of my time explaining this statement because this is, this is why this is going to be a challenge for some people. Many people only concern themselves with the question of what they're to do. In other words, I want to know my purpose and they, all they, or my destiny. And all they concern themselves is, what should I be doing? But they never ask who they should be doing it with. When God gave Joshua specific instructions, he, he didn't just give them what to do. He gave them he gave to him who he would be doing this with, these people. So I want to I tell you something today. If you find your people, you will find your purpose. But if you don't find your people, your purpose will be derailed. I know that's, you know, because we're Westerners, we're American Christians, and we are lone wolves. But can I just tell you something this morning? 
Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Many people are, are, are trying to go about and establish something, and they're, they're not even bothering to stop to say, how do I get hooked up with the right people? God's been burning this into my heart for, for, for a time now, and that was one of the reasons. We used to cut, listen, this church used to have twice as many people coming to it because we knew how to have Sunday morning services. And then we all went home and lived like independent Un, unconnected, disconnected individuals. And when I said it in my heart, I was not going to pastor a church that just had church, that we were going to be the church that didn't sit well with a lot of people. Because a lot of people want, they want the hoopla but they don't want the connections, and I'm just going to say it, and all the mess that goes along with it. But I want to tell you something. You're going to find mess all through your life, especially if you deal with people. And it's not a question of am I going to... If I'm going to put up with this mess or not, because I've seen, people, I've seen people who leave the church, and they're out of the church today. They don't have nothing to do with the church, and their lives are in a bigger mess now than ever. You know it's true. And all they say, well, I'd, I'd do this if it wasn't for people. Oh, please. It has nothing to do with people. It has everything to do with what's inside of you. Listen, I, I, I'm not tooting my horn here because I, I'm not, I have no ulterior, because I'm telling you, I have made a decision that I am looking, I am looking for my people. And God has assured me that he would bring around me my people, the people that resonate with me. I'm not feeling insecure. I'm not preaching this because I'm feeling like the Maytag repairman. And you millennials are going, the Maytag repairman? And if you laugh, you're already telling how old you are. Remember the Maytag repairman? He was the loneliest man on the earth. Do you know it's possible to be in a crowd and be the loneliest person on the earth? Yeah, see, I'm calling some of you out because you've been trying to get to your destiny, but you rejected the people that God has tried to line you up with. And so you've kept yourself protected and you've tried to navigate through life by keeping your shield up. And here's the thing. The thing that's kept people out has kept God out too. Well, Pastor Mike, you, you just wait after I'm, I, you know, amen. That's not true, really. So are you walking in the inheritance? And if you're walking in it alone... How? How did that happen? Because it never, the inheritance was never given to an individual. It was given to a body. The Bible doesn't say, now I have the mind of Christ. It says, now we have the mind of Christ. Some of you get it up in your head. I know what Jesus wants. Do you? Have you submitted that to others? Because you need to have the guts to say, hey, I think I'm hearing God here. And I want you to tell me, honestly, I, you know, I honestly want you to tell me, am I hearing it from God? No. Well, why? Because it doesn't line up. Now, wouldn't it be rather, wouldn't it be better to have that happen than to go off and derail and cause damage? Oh, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. I was doing really good till I got here. I really was. Let's, let's rewind it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you all ready to find your people? I want to show you something here. They would occupy their land when they helped their brothers and sisters acquire their land. This, read this in Joshua 1. If you read it in Joshua 1, God goes to the people. When God gives him his commandment, let me read it for you. I'm going to give you, ooh, I'm going to give you scripture and verse for it. Praise God, there is a fountain. 
And it says in, in verse... Uh, Verse 10, so Joshua gave orders to the leaders of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get some food ready. Three days from now, we're going across Jordan. You know what makes that command really interesting? Israel hadn't had to gather food for 40 years. You know why? Their food rained down from heaven. God said, God's telling Joshua, now get this, how would you like to be going out just your tent door, gathering up your food for the day, and then you go back, and that's a real good arrangement. I mean, it's better than, it's better than a drive-thru. I mean, come on. I love drive-thrus. Oh, man, I love the manna from French fries. Rain, let it rain, let it rain. They would go out, they gather. Here's now Joshua's got a new revelation. God, this, this isn't sitting well with people. Follow me here. They've had it really, they've had it made now for 40 years when it comes to food and water. Everybody go like this. 40 years on that side of Jordan, they walked out their tent, gathered up their daily provision, went back, and hallelujah, they did that for 40 years. Joshua comes and says, hey, better get some food together. In three days, we're going over Jordan. And they're like, are you crazy? You know why they were going to have to get some food together? Because the day they crossed over Jordan, the manna ceased. The free ride was over. (laughs) No more. The drive-thru was closed. Out of business. Did God forsake them? No. But you see what it represented? Here's a man leading them into their future. And and how many times have I stood up here of late and said, God is taking us somewhere, church. And some of y'all looking at me like I fell out of a tree. I've been calling you to get on your faces and seek God because there's a shift taking place. The drive throughs closing. And this easy, sneezy, United States form of Christianity is shutting down. And it's going to get real. And God's church is going to get right. <laughs> Woo, out of business. <laughs> no more french fries. Come on, Lord. <laughs> Here, have an apple. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Tell the people, get victuals, get ready, because in three days, we're going over. And so here's what he says. He says this. This is so powerful. Let's go back. I think I... They... They would occupy the land when they helped their brothers. So, yeah, I wanted to get to that. This is all so good. I'm not going to have time. Look, it's, oh, Lord, help me. I don't even know why I think I could do. I got 12 slides on here, and we're on five. I'm just waiting for somebody one day to say, Pastor Mike, don't stop. Nobody's ever said that to me. Is that a bait bait or what? It's too late. You don't mean it. Here... Verse 12, it says, Then Joshua said to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Remember that what the Lord's servant told you. He said, The Lord your God would give you a place to live. So the, Now, they had inherited land on that side of Jordan, given to them by Moses. But when it came time for them to cross over, he said, Now, God gave you this land, but now listen to this. But now you must help your relatives get their land. Your wives and children can stay here with your animals, but all your fighting men must prepare for battle and lead the men of the other tribes across the river. The Lord has given you a place to live, and he will do the same for your brothers, but you must help them. Then you come back and settle here on the east side. This is the land that the Lord's servant Moses said would be yours. Do you get the drift? 
See, a lot of the churches, it's, 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 think about the churches as individual churches. It's been all about our silo and how we fill our silo and do our thing. Let me tell you something, that day's coming to an end too. God is saying to the church, I want you to come to one and answer, be an answer to my son's prayer that you all may be one. And I want you to help your brothers and sisters come into the land that I've got for them too. And don't think because you're walking in something that nobody else has that you're okay. If you're all that in a bag of chips, you help them get what I've got for them. And when you help them walk into their inheritance, then you can go back and enjoy what you're there to do. You see, there's no place in this for us to, to sit down and look at what we have and thank God I'm not like that group over there. It's time for the church to rise up, come together, realize we're a people, find our people and find the purpose that God has called us to fulfill. That's just good preaching. I don't care what you say. Why is there so much emphasis on finding your purpose and it's not brought fulfillment? Why do we have churches that are busting out at the seams and yet they're making no real impact on the culture? How is it you can run in a city, 20,000 people, but the city still be given to sin and to darkness, and there's, no, there's just no supernatural manifestation of God and his glory and his presence in that city. Why? Because you can't do this without finding your people. And your people isn't hiding behind the four walls of a church and a sign and a doctrine and a theology. God is calling his people to come out of hiding. Come out of where you're hiding. Come out of what you're hiding behind. And come into unity and come into agreement and watch what I'll do in a city when the church comes into unity and comes into power and comes into a sold out commitment to God and to his people. That's what you call covenant. You can't find your purpose until you find your people. I said you can't find your purpose until you find your people. Your destiny is not in your call but in your people. So I'm going to close with Ruth. I'm going to tell you the story of Elamech and his wife, Naomi. Their two sons, Malan and Chilion. Chilon, dude. And their Moabite wives, which I call her Oprah. <laughs> so Oprah's in the Bible. It's not Oprah, it's Orpah. Orpah and Ruth. Orpah and Ruth were the wives of Malan and Chilion. Elamech and Naomi came from Israel during a famine into the land of the Moabites. When they came into the land of the Moabites, not too long after, Elamech de died. And there's such a sadness. There's, you should read this today. Ruth's only like four chapters. And you need to read this, and, and it's, it's a really great story. And there's great sadness to this story because all of a sudden, not only does Elamech die, but Chilean and Malan die too. And there's three widows here. There's uh, Ruth and, and uh, Orpah and there's Naomi. All of them are widows. Their husbands have died. And Naomi is a, is a Jew in the land of Moab without, without a husband. And say, if you read it, Naomi goes to the daughters and says, I got to go back to my people. And my people will take care of me because... God has brought me to this land, and he has broken me. That's really, and it's such a, you know, she's got this depression and this sadness over her. And she's, she's you know, she's not, she's just hurt. She's just hurt. You would be too. If you ever lost a, a, a husband or a wife or a, a child, you would know what this feels like. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She's hurt, and. She goes to her daughters and says, you, you need to go back to your people. Are you with me? I'm almost there. So she goes, she goes to them. She says, you guys go back. You go back to your people. And, uh, and I'm going to go back to my people. But I want, I want to read to you this, and I want you to see it in the, in the Bible so that you see it with your own eyes. Verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14 says, So again they cried very much. Now look at this. Then Orpah kissed Naomi goodbye, but Ruth hugged her and stayed. Listen to that. Let me say that again. Orpah kissed her and left, 
And Ruth hugged her and wouldn't let go. And Naomi's like, Ruth, you need to go back to your people. You need to go back to your people. And here's what, here's what it says. Ruth looks at her and he says, Naomi, I'm not going to leave you. Even if death comes, I'm not going to leave you. This is what you call be strong, making herself one. She joined herself in a covenant with, with Naomi. She said, even death can't separate this. I'm, I'm covenanting myself to you. I will not go back to my people. Here's what she said. She said, your people will become my people. And your God will be my God. And man, it's such a powerful thing when, think about it. Naomi couldn't offer her anything. Naomi was poor. She was a widow. She couldn't give her a platform. She couldn't give her any kind of a promise of hope or anything. But, but Ruth saw that her destiny was tied to Naomi. And she said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. Oh, to God that that would return in the church today. Where we would be that covenant and joined together. We would see our purpose united and we would stay, we would say, I'm going to stay with you. And this covenant is ours. And so they go back to, they go back to Israel and uh, Naomi sends Ruth out to a field to, to glean and gather the left behind stuff that it was under the law. They were, they were required to leave behind a little part of the harvest so the poor people could come and they would what they call glean it. And they would pick up the, the grain from the ground that was purposefully dropped, handfuls on purpose, the Bible says. It's really cool. Handfuls on purpose were dropped. And, and one day, she, she's in a field by the, by the man by the name of Boaz. And Boaz has heard the story of her commitment and her, her, her full-out covenant love for, for Naomi, who Boaz is a relative of Naomi's. Are you with me? I'm almost done. Follow me here. When, when Boaz comes to the, to the field and he tells his servants, you, you leave an extra for her. And give, she has great favor. Because let me tell you something. When you find your people and you start walking in obedience to the covenant, there's great favor that accompanies that. And instead of going home with a handful of food, she's taking bushels home of food. And, and, Ruth, and Naomi's saying, where did you get all this food? And she says, well, I found favor with this guy, and his name is Boaz. She goes, oh, that's, that's a relative of mine. And they had, this, they had this thing in Israel's tradition. It's in the law, actually. It's in the book of Leviticus. And it's called the kinsman redeemer. And when there was a death and someone left in complete poverty, the nearest kinsman could buy that person's property and save them from being destitute and save them from being completely wiped out in poverty and want. And so Ruth, uh, Naomi sends Ruth to, to, to Boaz at one night. She says, when Boaz lays down to sleep, you lay down at his feet. And when he wakes up and he says, what are you doing? You just tell him, I'm here hoping that you'll be my kinsman redeemer. You know, you know what the, the, the great picture is here? It's Jesus, who is our kinsman redeemer. Who when we were broke and destitute and poverty stricken and without hope and without help, Jesus came and said, I'm going to buy you. For we are not bought with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Boaz wakes up. He sees Ruth at his foot. And he, it says he spread his garment over her. That was, a, that was symbolic of a covenant relationship. And here's the thing. So Boaz takes Ruth to be his wife. There's three women mentioned in the, in the lineage of Jesus. Three women. Three women mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. Read it. One of them is named Ruth. You know why? Because Ruth and Boaz had a son, and his name was Obed. And Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son whose name was David. 
and Jesus was born out of the lineage of David. What if Ruth would have went back to the Moabites? You'd have never heard from her again, like Orpah. Oh, but, but Orpah gave her a kiss. She loved her. She, might have, she may have said she loved her, but she didn't love her enough to cling to her. Who else gave Jesus a kiss one time? There's a lot of kissing going on and not a lot of embracing when it comes to Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me. The reason we know of Ruth today and we know her testimony is because she found her people. I've been asking you to find your people. Listen, I know some of you are new to this church. I, I'm, I'm not saying that you have come in this place and that, that you have found your people. Only you know that and it resonates in your heart when you know you have found your people. But what we usually do is we talk ourselves out. Some of you have come from other places and, and you let the enemy talk you out of your place and you, you have been in a place of derailment. You got bumped and the bump caused you to jump ship. Maybe some of you are sitting here in City Point and, and something's bumped you and you're like, I'm thinking it's time for me to go. Can I just tell you? I'm not God, only you and God can figure that out. But if you're going because you got bumped, that's not a good move. That's not a God move. I'm praying that God will help us find our people. And when you find your people, you will find your purpose. Ruth found her purpose because she found her people. Your people shall be mine. She was a Moabite. She was, a, she was an outcast as far as Israel was concerned. She was a heathen. The Moabites were heathens. But she came in and Naomi took her in. And Boaz redeemed her and married her as her kinsman redeemer and brought her into her full inheritance. So with your head bowed this morning, my first call is to you who have not come to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. My invitation to you today is have you surrendered? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because you have got to find Jesus because you'll never find your people until you find Jesus. And then when you find Jesus, Jesus is always going to hook you up with his people because he never intended for you to walk this alone. He gave us a church. The church is the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is connected. And if you're not connected, you're out of the will of God. If you're not born again, you need to start right there and say, Jesus, come into my heart. So I want everybody to stand. I want to make this easy. You don't have to walk through knees or whatever. If you need Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and you have been running from him, you've been high, you know who you are. The Holy Spirit's already put his hand on you. I'm not here to shame you. I'm just here to call you home. I'm here to come, come, come. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. If that's you, this invitation's for you. Secondly, this second invitation is for those of you who have been running from your destiny because you have been fighting your people and it's time for you to cease striving and know God find your people and find your purpose so with heads bowed eyes are closed hands lifted high they're going to sing this chorus I'm going to invite you to come where I can pray for you, I can pray with you. That's all I'm asking, I just wanna pray with you and pray for you, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to pray for you and pray with you. I'm in this journey alongside of you. I am on this journey alongside of you. I'm not better than you, I am not, I am not more than anything than you. I'm just a fellow sojourner on his way to his destiny. Come on, move. Come on up, come on up and get prayer. Come on. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and join me. 
as we pray for people. If you have a need in your family, a need in your life, a need in your body, a need in your heart, a need that you need agreement, then I'm going to invite you to come and get prayer this morning. I'm going to dismiss you. They're going to sing this chorus. We're going to minister up here in the altar. I'd like you to just respect this altar and this front of as we're dismissed, go to the back and fellowship and everything, but, but honor and reverence this front area as we minister to needs today. If you need prayer, come on. If you need something, this is why you need your brothers and sisters. Stop trying to carry it alone. Stop trying to do it alone. Stop trying to be it, what you're, what you're called to be alone. Open your heart up and come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and come to his people. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, I just pray today that you'll speak to people. You'll open their hearts, open their eyes, you'll open their lives. Come, Lord, come. Come, Lord, come, Lord, come, Lord. Come, Lord.